All right. You ready for some Bible study? Ready to be changed? This is the time during our service where we surrender ourselves wholly and totally and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us, that the voice that we hear within our spirits is His voice and none other. I trust that that's your prayer this morning. Before I get started this morning, I want to take a moment to express my love, my admiration, my respect, my gratitude for Pastor Jim Gross. While I could spend a lot of time, uh, I'll just say this. If he treated me the way I treat him, I'd have been long gone. But he always says, you know, okay, no problem. Got it taken care of. We'll, we'll, we'll get it done. Don't worry about it. Take care of yourself. That's, that's, that's been his heart for the 11 years I've known him. And um, I love you and I appreciate you. Thank you for allowing me to be a doofus sometimes. And we're still working on that, right? Yeah, we're still working on that. Last week, he introduced this idea of prayer. Um, It's not a new idea to you, but it's something that I think that we never, ever stop learning how to do. Whether you're a brand new believer or you've been serving in ministry for 40 or 50 years, you never, ever stop learning how to pray. I want to do one more thing. Um, Did you mention the Spanish ministry when you welcomed Spanish ministry is not having their regular service today at 2 o'clock, and so I think we have some of our Spanish-speaking people in our service this morning. If you, if you are part of that Spanish ministry, would you raise your hand so we can see that you're here? Don't be shy. Thank you all so much for being here. So given what Pastor Jim shared with us last Sunday, I hope that this past week you've had a a little bit more of an intentional um, um, investment in your prayer life. And, and, and I would ask you how that went and, and what has God shown you and what has God taught you. This is an essential area of our spiritual journey that we continue to learn how to pray. It's my prayer this morning that the Holy Spirit would teach each of us something new about how we pray. I want to start really with the very basics and tell you that the first step in learning how to pray is to understand and apply the purpose of prayer. Understanding that that it's God who instituted prayer. It's part of His plan. He always meant that it would be part of our experience. But why did he do that? God's supreme purpose for prayer, the purpose beyond all other purposes, is to glorify himself, is to bring glory to his name. We've talked in the past about what that means, what is giving glory to God, bringing glory to God. What is glory to His name? We talked about it in depth in our study of the Gospel of John. 
And maybe you'd get a hundred different answers if you asked a hundred different people, and maybe none of them would be wrong. We define it this way, to bring God glory is to bring attention to Him. It's, it's to reveal His character. It's to allow Him to shine through. It's to exalt Him. It's to make known His love and His power and His grace and His mercy. To make known His forgiveness. The supreme purpose of prayer is to make God known. I don't think anything benefits the believer more than an effective and consistent prayer life. But we have to understand that the purpose of praying must first of all be the sake of Him and not me. It's an opportunity for God to manifest His goodness. I think it's what Jesus was talking about in the 14th chapter of the Gospel of John where He says, ask me whatever you want to ask me, I'll do it for you so that God receives glory. Don't let the simplicity of that verse pass you by. I want you to consider the meaning of that verse. Ask me what you want to ask me. Ask me according to my will, and I'll do it for you. And here's why I'll do it. Here's the purpose I'll do it. So that God gets the attention. So that His character is revealed and made manifest. If we're going to learn how to pray effectively, the focus of our prayers must be taken off of our needs and centered on God's glory. Now folks, listen, I really could just shut up and sit down and let that be the message this morning. If we could let that sink in, how does that manifest itself? How do we walk that out in our lives? That the focus of my prayer cannot be on my needs, but on God's glory. How does God change me through that? And how is His changing me bring Him greater glory? That's the purpose of prayer. That's it. When we bow to pray. When we talk to God. When we make our petitions and our needs known to Him. The focus of that time with Him must be on Him and not us. don't mean to be redundant, but I'm going to say it a whole bunch more. Prayer is not simply to lay claim on God's promises, but to acknowledge who He is. It's to acknowledge His sovereignty and His power. It's to see His glory and to obey His will as He reveals it to us through our time of prayer. When you pray, take the focus off your needs and place it on God's glory. Don't misunderstand. This takes nothing away from the many scriptures that teach us things like this. Be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything. Come boldly to the throne of grace to receive mercy and grace in your time of need. Through prayer, let your petitions and your needs be known. Again, ask anything in my name and according to my will and I will do it so that the Father may be glorified. It's okay. Pray, Father, my child is sick. I need a job. My marriage is falling apart. Oh, 
God, I feel lonely. Lord, my expenses exceed my income. I don't know what to do. I'm beginning to hate life. It doesn't seem like anybody likes me. I need direction. I don't know which way to go. I don't know what to do. Pray that way and then say, but God, in this circumstance, in this situation, in this need, let it be about you and not about me. Let your power and your love and your grace and your plan shine through. Answer my prayer, Lord Jesus, in such a way that you receive glory and honor and praise. Oh Lord, the many people who are in this valley with me, who experience this with me, may they know you. May they see you. May they know that I am not alone, but that you are with me and that you love and that you care for me. May my life be a testimony to who you are. May my life reveal your character, your power, your love, your grace, your forgiveness. If we are going to pray effectively, do you want to pray effectively? We've got to take the focus off of our needs and center it on God's glory. I think Jesus is a perfect example of this, of course. So consistent with the way God does things, and we have seen him doing things throughout history. God says, you, you, you want to receive? Give. God says, you want to be a leader? Serve. God says, you want to be first? Be last. God says, you want to really live? Then die to yourself. And allow God to take the controls of your life. A perfect example is the way Jesus prayed in the 17th chapter of the Gospel of John. Listen to what He said. Father, glorify Thyself through me. This is in His greatest hour of need. I should say in His hour of greatest need. And His prayer is, Father, glorify Thyself through me. I've brought You glory by accomplishing all that You gave me to do. Now glorify me so that I can bring glory to You. Change me. Bless me. Guide me. Direct me so that I can bring glory to You. In His hour of greatest need, He prays a prayer that says, I don't really want this. This isn't my desire. But if it's what you want, I'll embrace it. I'll follow you. I'll be obedient. Take this cup from me. But if it's your will, I'll follow you. Glorify me so that I can glorify you. That was his prayer. And can I tell you, that's exactly what God did. He sent him to a cross to die. Glorify me, Jesus said, so that I can glorify you. When a dying Jesus hung on the cross, God received the glory when that Roman centurion looked up and said, truly, this is the Son of God. And His shed blood on that cross is the reason that millions of believers all across this world today can raise their hands and say, how great is our God. I see it in His love for me. He gets glory through that.
His resurrection. He gets glory. Millions of believers all across the world today will raise their hands and say, how great is our God. What power He has revealed and shown in the resurrection of His Son Jesus. Oh, that we might learn to pray the way Jesus prayed in the garden. Lord, if there be any way to take this cup from me, please, but not my will, but Your will be done. Can we learn to pray that way? Can we learn to be sincere in those kind of prayers? Lord, bless our service today so that You receive glory. Lord, give our leaders wisdom and direct us so that You receive glory. Lord, help us build our church so that You receive glory. Lord, give us a burden for our community so that You receive glory. This attitude, this spirit, this strategy for prayer, this way of praying is seen so clearly in what we call the Lord's Prayer. It's found in Matthew chapter 6 and Luke chapter 11. Maybe you've heard it described as the model prayer. Some people call it the disciples' prayer. We get it out of the Gospel of Luke where Jesus is praying and the disciples, after He is finished, ask Him, Lord, teach us to pray. And so Jesus gives us this model. And listen, this is real important because this is Jesus, the Master, the Son of God, our Savior, our Lord, that is teaching us how to pray. He says, when you pray, this is how you ought to pray. Now listen, we're all, you are, all of us, are about to embark on the busiest time of the year, right? Thanksgiving and family and Black Friday and football, shopping, Christmas parties and Christmas programs and more family, more football, and on and on and on it goes. And here's what I want to tell you, that this is for a lot of people an extremely stressful time and it's an extremely busy time. When we make God the priority of our life, when we make His glory the priority of our life, you can write this down, you can hold me to this. He makes sure, when He's our priority, He makes sure everything that needs to get done gets done. And there needs not be stress. If we want to learn to make God our priority, we need to look no further than Jesus. The example he gave us during his earthly ministry. I, I want you to consider this. We just got finished studying. We're really continuing our study of the, the Gospel of John. And we've looked at the earthly ministry of Jesus. And I want to see if you recall any time during our picture of Jesus that we see him rushing around, ignoring people, brushing people off, panicked, trying to get things done. Do you ever seem stressed out? He was very, very busy. But he always had time for people and he always had time for prayer. 
The Gospel of Luke reveals that to us more than any of the other Gospels because almost in every chapter we see Jesus at some point saying a prayer. And we see it in Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. The the first verse, Jesus was praying. (laughs) The Son of God. He was praying in a certain place and when He had finished, one of His disciples said to Him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say this. Now look, is the, are the words what's important here? No, the words are an expression of our heart. When you pray, your heart ought to be expressed through these words. Father, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive our sins. As we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Lead us not into temptation. That was the extent of the prayer that Jesus taught. He taught a very similar prayer during the Mount of Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, and we see that prayer. Not the same exactly as this. It it, it makes me understand that that when he taught us, don't don't just repeat words when you pray. It's a heart matter. Lord, teach us to pray. Not sure we ever really learned how to pray. Most of us have really never been taught how to pray. I know that must be true because the extent of most of our prayers is to close our eyes and say, God, I need this and I need this and I need this and I need this. And we ask for a lot of stuff. But Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this, Father. I want to tell you that when he said that, those who heard him on that mount, the disciples who were gathered around him in this occasion at Luke chapter 11, were shocked when he said that. Call him Father. It's, a, it, it's an Aramaic word, Abba. It, it, it's a word of intimacy. The true meaning of the word, it's the word that was used by children when they called their dad. And, and it really does mean dad. It means, it means daddy, if you will. And the disciples had never heard God referred to that way. He had, they had heard him referred to as father, but, but the word that was used when what they were used to was a, a word that meant creator, all-powerful, overseer, the God of the universe. It was an extremely reverent term. He's God. But Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this, father, and that that word was a different word than the one that they had been used to, and this was a word that described intimacy. Closeness, relationship. It's an intimacy with the God of the universe. This was new to the people in the first century. It's why Paul wrote, Behold what manner of love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children. And so we are. Children of God. Do you think of God as dad when you pray? I want you to know that I, I, um, I tried to call him dad in my prayers this, this past couple of weeks, actually. 
And I find it extremely, extremely difficult to do that. Very, very awkward. I, I think part of the thing that I want to do is, as pastor of this church is to teach people to be in reverence to God. To be in awe of God. To think of God as, as holy. Even to fear God. This reverent fear. I loved my daddy. Man, there was a part of him I feared. And that was good. We serve and we love and we're the children of a holy, holy God. And we need to reverence God. He needs to have a holy and righteous name in our hearts. And we need to have this holy and righteous fear of Him. I, I, I studied some verses this past week. Timothy says that God dwells in an unapproachable light. We can't even look upon Him. He's so great. He's so majestic. He's so holy. You remember, don't you, in Isaiah where it describes the angels covering their eyes with their wings because they could not even look upon a holy and righteous and all-powerful God. And they would sing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That's the image that I want to have of God. In Revelation, it talks about there are pillars of fire coming from His throne. There's millions of angels worshiping as His throne. And then Jesus says to me, when you pray, go to the throne and say, Daddy! And it's awkward and it's hard. But I want you to consider that when we learn the significance of that and what Jesus calls us to and how He teaches us the incredible security that, that comes from calling this all-powerful, almighty God, Daddy, that, that intimacy that is there. Dad, it's me, it's Dale. But I approach the throne of God with that kind of longing, that kind of of intimacy, that kind of relationship. It's extremely, extremely personal. Are your prayers intimate? Would you describe them as intimate? If you thought about your prayer life this past week, listen, I think this is really important because I have learned, and I think that you would agree with me, that when relationships have no intimacy, they become self-centered. When there's no intimacy in the relationship, it's all about me. And no wonder there are times in my prayer life when I close my eyes and I say, give me, give me, give me, give me. This is what I need. Why don't you do this for me? And Jesus says, when you pray, Say, Father. Say, Abba. Say, Daddy. Hallowed be your name. Father, hallowed be your name. It's saying, Dad, I, I, I want your name here on earth to be holy. I, I want it to be set apart. I, I, I'm sick of people using your name like, like you're not even there, like, like you don't exist. I'm tired of hearing people question whether or not you're even real. 
Lord, God, I, I see it sometimes even in church where we come and we worship and we make promises and then we leave here like you don't even exist. No intention of following you. No intention of obeying you. Oh God, forgive us for that. We, we want your name to be famous here on earth. We want your name to be respected here on earth. We want your reputation to be what it's supposed to be here on earth. I, I don't want people to disrespect you. I, 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 don't, I don't want that, God. What is your heart on this matter? Are you concerned about God's reputation here on earth? Does it bother you when he is disrespected, when he is doubted, when his name is even used profanely? Do you, do you want him to be treated right? This is, this is a prayer. Can you see it? This is a prayer that's focusing on, on him. Oh, God, my Father, what love you've lavished on me that I should be called your child. I want your name to be respected on this earth. I, I want people to know you for who you are. I want them to see you the way the angels see you in heaven. I, I want this, this, them to see you in this unapproachable light. I want them to know that you're holy. Do you see how the prayer is all about Him? And so we, we say, Lord... Do in me what you need to do in me. Use me the way you need to use me so that through my life, I bring glory to your name. Use me to reveal your character, your power, your might, your holiness, your love, your grace, your mercy. Think about this. What would it be like here on earth if everybody feared God? If his name was truly hallowed on earth? If his reputation is, was what it was supposed to be, what would it be like when Jesus says, when you pray, pray, follow, Father, Dad, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Is it ever going to be like that here on earth? Yeah. When? The Bible tells us that one day Jesus will come to earth and he will judge and he will set up his kingdom. Then everybody will know. There will be no questions whether or not he is real. What is your heart on that? Have you lived a kind of life this past week, yesterday, this weekend, where you can say, as John wrote in the book of Revelation, come Lord Jesus, come. Even so, come quickly. Is that your heart's desire? It's how Jesus teaches us to pray. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. May your kingdom come. It's a desire of my heart. Your kingdom. When he comes, no one will question whether or not he exists. I can't wait for that day. That's how we ought to pray. And after, after teaching us to, to say these words out of, a, out of a heart that represents this intimacy and this 
desire and longing for his reputation to be what it's supposed to be and in a heart that says, Lord Jesus, come, it's then that Jesus turns to the, the petitions, to the requests. And he says, after that has been done, then pray, give us each day our daily bread. That's a little foreign to us, isn't it? I mean, let's be honest. Very, very few people in this room pray that prayer. Because we don't need to because we know we're going to eat. And I think that the meaning of it goes deeper than just give me something to eat. Take care of this physical need that I have. I think it's this, it's this focusing on Him instead of us. And when He tells us that we should pray, Father, give us this day our daily bread, it's an acknowledgement that without Him, there is no bread. It's this acknowledgement that without Him, there is no breath. That every breath that I take is decreed, is ordained, it's approved by God Himself. It wouldn't be a bad thing to take a time every Sunday during our services to say, let's all go, (gasps) God approved that. You couldn't do that without His approval. He's aware. It's a, it, it, it brings us this, this petition, this request. It brings us to a place of understanding who He is. It changes us. Are you beginning to see that, that God uses prayer as a tool in our life to mold us into being more like Jesus? This this intimacy, this desire for His name to be re, respected, His reputation this desire for Him to come, this, this total and whole, our acknowledgement of, of a total and whole dependence on Him, all of this stuff as I pray and I continually pray this and I continually pray this, it's beginning to do a work in my life. It's beginning to change me. Give us our daily bread. It's more than just feed me. Then, then He says, and forgive us our sins as we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And Matthew, when he, he, he teaches this prayer, he uses the word, forgive us our debt. By the way, it's the same thing. Our sin is our debt. We are debtors to him. He's not debtors to us. So when we go to him and say, gimme, 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 understand that that's okay. He's your daddy. You can do that. I want my son to do that, and he does. <laughs> But understand that when we do that and we go to God and say, God, here's my need, that He is not in debt to us. We're in debt to Him. This is not a positional statement that's making, that we're making. If we don't forgive others, He's not going to forgive us, and so we're going to go to hell. That's, that's not what this means at all. It's not positional as much as it is relational. This is so very, very important. I think that this is a key part of the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer, the disciples' prayer. Because I think if I don't don't experience this part of the prayer in my life, I really can't pray any of the other parts of the prayer. It's really repentance. Asking Him to to forgive is, is putting myself in in an intimate relationship. I know your sins are forgiven. I know past, present, and future. His blood on the cross took your sins away. 
But to go to Him and to confess sin is to restore the intimacy that is absolutely necessary. You can't do it without it. It's necessary for that kind of intimacy to pray the way He's teaching us to pray. Forgive us our debt. Forgive us our sins. It's a relational thing. And then He says, and pray this too, Lead us not into temptation. Look, understand that He is not instructing us to pray, Lord, take temptation away from me. Leading us not into temptation is is a prayer that says, Lord, Your Holy Spirit who indwells me, empower me not to succumb to the temptation. Not to yield to the temptation. It's not that he's going to take it away. You have to agree with me. I shouldn't say this. I'm going to tell you anyway. I'm attracted to ladies. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and um, I don't believe Jesus is saying that when you pray, pray that God takes that attraction away. God, make every woman ugly to me. Right? It's, 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 it's this prayer that He would strengthen me and empower me. It's what the series on the Holy Spirit was all about. I said to Pastor Jim this past week, Pastor Jim, my flesh is so strong in my life. I, I want my flesh to, 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 to decrease and the power of the Holy Spirit to increase in my life. It's hard for me to say, no, I won't partake in that I I won't succumb to that my flesh is strong and as long as we have this old flesh we're going to have desires that are not in line with God's desires for us and Jesus is saying when you pray ask God to change you ask God to empower you ask God to keep you from from succumbing from yielding to that temptation experience his power in your life that way We pray this, we we begin to understand that temptations, listen, we begin to understand that the temptations that we have, some come from the enemy, some come from the flesh, there's a difference there, we won't go into that this morning, but when we have those temptations and we pray this kind of prayer, we begin to understand that my temptations are nothing more than perversions or counterfeits of what God wants to give me anyway. The enemy's been doing this since the beginning of time. God wants to give me something beautiful, but the enemy wants to take it and pervert it. He wants to make it a counterfeit. He wants to rob me of the good that God provides for me. Don't give up intimacy with God for whatever it is that is tempting you. Really, it's the very same thing as Pastor Jim's chairs. There's the lie, or I should say, there's the lie, and there's the truth. Don't accept the lie for the truth. Embrace the truth. Experience all that God has for you. A relationship, an intimate relationship 
with God. Listen, an intimate relationship with God is far better than any counterfeit that the enemy will give you. And that intimacy, that relationship is absolutely critical and essential in our prayer life. It's what repentance is about. It's this this temptation that I'm going to turn from and I'm going to turn to him. It's how we ought to pray. I don't think we can pray the way Jesus teaches us to pray in Luke chapter 11 unless we've chosen him over our desires. Maybe some of you that are experiencing frustration in prayer, just maybe, this isn't an indictment. Maybe that's the area, maybe that's the area that needs to be looked at. I want to give you a couple of minutes right now to pray. Jesus said when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins in the same way that we forgive others. Lead us not into temptation. That's what he said right here in Luke 11. When you pray, we're fixing to pray. Will you focus your prayer on God's glory? Not your desires or maybe even in this moment, not your needs. Will you bring glory to him simply by the way you pray? Praying as Jesus taught us. Let me begin our time of prayer. Father, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Lord Jesus, I pray that this next couple of minutes, these few minutes in our service, would be the most intimate time since we began. That we, that we see that every aspect of the prayer you taught us to pray shines a light on God. 